Hello and welcome to episode number 190 of the Nerd Procro Podcast. This is a quick shortcuts solo episode. There's a couple things that have come out in the past couple of months and also a couple things that we missed in previous episodes that I, either I was the only one who watched them or just stuff that's come out between our last episode and when the next episode is going to be coming out, which is going to be a little bit later this month, where we're definitely going to call uh, cover Captain Marvel, and there's definitely going to be an anime episode squeeze in there. So I wanted to uh, squeeze in this uh, as we are now only going once a month, this quick, short takes episode probably in two different sections. There's I'm going to be covering a couple things couple different shows and one movie that we'll probably be discussing later this month a little bit more in our anime episode. But uh, that being said, no real plugs except to say we are definitely still live tweeting Deadly Class and The Magician Season 4. We are kind of sometimes live tweeting The Flash and sometimes Arrow. Probably won't be live tweeting a lot of the CW stuff, at least until Legends of Tomorrow comes back. As always, if you like this episode, if you like our previous episode, let us know on Twitter, at NerdProQuo on Twitter. Leave a comment on the website. Send us an email, NerdProQuo at gmail.com, especially if you are a musician or an artist or any sort of performer or artist we would love to hear from you. I would love to interview you. We would love to have your music on the podcast. We would love to showcase your art. We are now doing periodically video. So uh, the uh, little preview of one of the previous episodes is now up on YouTube. So check us out on your YouTube at NerdProQuo on YouTube. Click subscribe to everything. Definitely click subscribe on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Leave a review. Please re- leave a review. Really does help us, especially because we're only going to be going semi-monthly now. Well, monthly and then a little bit, some like this episode, a little bit more. Uh, So a couple, probably two to three episodes, honestly, a month. But since we're doing less episodes and we're going to be doing more like multimedia stuff, we really need your guys' help. I know the subscriptions have probably gone down, so tell your friends, tell your friends, tell our friends. Episode 200 is coming very, 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 very soon. Probably, I mean, at the rate these are going, only 10 more episodes into episode 200, we would really like to do a live show with some guests, uh, comedians and musicians and all that, friends of the show to come on, throwing a party, a whole thing. So, uh, yeah, let us know. Spread the word. Please do that. That being said, okay, one thing that I watched in this uh, Short Takes episode that came out in January, I hit it up uh, very, very late, was Future Man Season 2 on Hulu. We did a big uh, Future Man, uh, kind of uh, covered Future Man way back when in a previous episode. Uh, Season 2, I would say the very short version, is check it out. The stuff that was good in the previous season is still good in this season. The best part of the the season is still Wolf's side story, where he ends up in a uh, a cluster, 
I believe it's called the cluster. His little family group of five people. His side story is definitely the funniest. I maintain that Derek Wilson is the best person on the show. And I know I'm biased because he is from Brooklyn and uh, I have had some interaction with him on Twitter and I do really like him on Twitter. By the way, follow him on Twitter. He's pretty cool at Derek Wilson on Twitter. And by the way, uh, we're probably going to tag him in this episode. So, uh, uh, hey, Derek, hit us up. We would love to talk to you. In any event, yeah, very... uh, So his side story is the best part of the season. The arc of the season is pretty cool, but... Not I, I think all the things that worked in the previous season work less so in this season, unfortunately. Josh Hutcherson is still pretty great. Uh, Eliza Coop is still great. All the main characters there. The storyline, without really spoiling anything, basically has to do with because of what happened in the previous season and just accomplishing what he accomplished they have now have a new timeline timeline but it seems that no matter how much they change the timeline you know timey wimey wibbly wobbly the future seems to be shitty and a different version of the same i will say also one of the nice little highlights of this season is more uh haley joe osman which he is an un- an unexpected and Welcome, Bright Spot, to Season 2. He plays the villain in this season, and just uh, appreciating the fact that he's an act like a child actor, and now we're seeing him as an adult, and he seems to be picking, like, kind of picking and choosing what he does, and he seems to be doing one of those things where what he's picking and choosing is stuff that seems like it would be fun. He seems to be going in that direction. So definitely if you have Hulu and you dig sci-fi, you dig sci-fi comedy without spoiling anything that happens at the end. I mean, I will say narrative-wise, because it is time travel and it is a comedy, it goes a little bit off the rails, especially midway through the season and near the end. So honestly, not as compelling in my opinion. This season, they do throw in a fun little musical number that is a lot of fun. But uh, watch it for Wolf's side story. If you watch season one and you enjoyed it, you will definitely enjoy season two. So that is Future Man. Probably going to be discussing this a little bit more on a future episode, but did complete the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. The short take on that is, yes, it is worth watching. Some of the actors are way better than others. The If you have have or have not read the comic book, I th- don't think you need to read the comic book to watch the show. I personally only read a little bit of the comic book. Comic book actually, however you may or may not feel about Gerard Way or his band, uh, however you may feel about him or, or the band, just ignore that. Really, because this is a completely different thing. Although the Netflix series does incorporate a lot of stuff that definitely sounds like his band, which for some reason I'm drawing a blank on, even though I ha- it'll come to me as I'm talking about it. So Umbrella Academy, kind of similar, I will say, in that the, uh, the stuff that works works really well. The stuff that doesn't work is just kind of bleh. The best two characters on the show are Klaus... 
and Ellen Page's Vanya, the character to Ellen Page, plays, I will say, also that they are the two best actors on the show. And Klaus, without spoiling anything, has the best story arc of the entire season. Oh, and the, the, the kid, the kid who plays five, is also really great. If you don't know anything about Umbrella Academy, it is a bunch of kids who have superpowers. They get adopted by this sort of eccentric... Oh, you will probably now hear... I'm not going to pause this because I'm kind of in a train of thought on Umbrella Academy, but you are going to hear a fire truck. You probably have heard a fire truck in the background of this podcast. So, it is a bunch of kids who are born all at the same time. They all have different abilities. They get adopted by this kind of eccentric, rich British dude. He enrolls them. He sets up this academy, the Umbrella Academy. He essentially makes them superheroes. They do that until to you get some flashbacks, and they basically do it until one of them dies. They all separate. They go their own ways. They had a lot of issues. The the surrogate dad, he has a lot of issues. He's kind of abusive and a little bit of an asshole. But you get through the course of the story that there are reasons why he did that. And they the characters come back because their father their father has died. So you have like one of the characters has like super strength. One of the other characters has like a sort of a version of tele- tele- telepathy. Wow, can't say that word. You know the word I'm trying to say. But it involves her voice, so she can say something in using her powers and make them do whatever they want. There's a Klaus is the character who can talk to people who are dead, one of which is their dead sibling named Ben, who apparently his power was that he could make a monster come out of him won't tell you about Vanya because that's kind of a spoiler. If you haven't watched it yet, we will discuss that. I will say the payoff for that near the end, the payoff of everything at the end of season one is kind of, it's not exactly a letdown, but it is just like, oh, okay, that's cool. The biggest problem with the show, my biggest criticism of Umbrella Academy is there is nothing really that happens in the show that if you know anything about story arcs, if you know anything about comic books that isn't massively predictable. So don't re I mean, unless if you are a fan of these types of things, I don't think that there's anything in the show that is going to be particularly surprising to you or narrative wise or particularly a shock, at least not for me. Also, there are these two agents that are, uh, Cha-Cha and Hazel. Cha-Cha is played by Mary G. Oblige. She's amazing. She's also a real high point. The guy who plays Hazel, I don't know the name of the actor, but they are also, their little side story, I would argue, is the best part of the show. So if nothing else, watch it for Cha-Cha and Hazel, Mary G. Oblige, and the the actor who plays Hazel. There's a side relationship with Hazel and this uh, older waitress at a donut shop, and it's I would say that's one of the best parts of the show. So, genre-wise, if you're into Harry Potter, I would say, if you're into superheroes, like, this is in your, maybe not Harry Potter, but if, like, you're into superheroes and kind of a school sort of setting and family drama, 
this is definitely in your wheelhouse. It, you will not, I don't think you're going to be blown away. I was definitely was not blown away by it, but it's an enjoyable watch. The episodes aren't terribly wrong, long. It's not, it didn't, I will say the one thing about it is it, do, it didn't feel overly long. It didn't drag really anywhere. The characters are pretty interesting, even though the acting is really uneven. Like I said, some of the actors are very obviously better than others. There is a talking CGI chimp that is pretty great. And a a robot mom, android mom, and that's pretty cool. Like, it, it just all the... Here's a very short take on Umbrella Academy is basically all the elements are there for an enjoyable watch, but it is not amazing. Okay. Next thing in this short case, because this is going to be a very short episode. So, second half of The Gifted. There seems This is kind of a trend of everything I'm going to be talking about is that... So, The Gifted, if you haven't been watching it, it's kind of like F, uh, Fox's sort of X-Men sideshow now that Legion is over. It's a lot of the C-list X-Men. So, you got like... Not X-Men, but like X-Men mutant characters. So, you got Polaris in there. You got the Fenris in there. If you're an X-Men fan, you'll know who these characters are. I'm not going to go through all the... Tra- just because it's X-Men, and I'm not going to go through the whole history of describing who all these characters are. Maybe on another episode. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do a video just to cover the... I'm going to do an entire... There will be an entire separate video about going over, like, all the X-Men stuff. If you... Like, a, a primer for watching The Gifted. If you watched season one, you already got a primer. You're fine. Again, sort of going with the trend, season two, narrative a little bit uneven, dramatically a little bit uneven. I will say that the show has a definite formula as far as like structurally, and once I mention it to you, you're probably not going to be able to unsee it, which is like dramatic moment, dramatic moment, action sequence, big dramatic moment, sad song. It's basically, that is the structure of, Almost every episode of the second season. That being said, the progression of the characters, I personally think The Gifted is one of the more underrated shows on television. If you were not watching, if you were like me and you just didn't realize that the second half of second of the second season had aired and you were coming to it really late, like I did, that's unfortunate because that show really needs the views. It needs it more than The Flash, which is the show that it is competing. It is competing opposite. Of And if you are really frustrated with the way Fox has been treating the X-Men properties, I will say because it is not directly in the X-Men universe, it is a side sort of universe like Legion, but not as batshit crazy or as good as Legion is, they can do a lot of things and I think take some chances with the characters that they ha- you haven't seen in any of the other shows, and I mean that in a good way. I don't mean it like where you, if you're really attached to who these characters were in the comic books, you're going to be one of those people, and to be perfectly honest, I'm tired of you people who are too precious about the differences between what the comic book was and what the adaptation was. There are some shows that obviously some adaptations, as you have heard us talk about ad nauseum, where they do that terribly. The Gifted happens to be a show where they do that really well, 
this second season definitely had some moments. The finale, I will say, definitely paid off for me, both as sort of an X Men character, an X Men fan. It is not directly the X Men. It takes place in a sort of near future, as all of X Men apparently takes place in near future, where the X Men are gone, and so are the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So Magneto and all of them are gone. And it looks like by the end, again, without necessarily spoiling anything, although I might discuss, like I said, later about this, the end of The Gifted, you can get, you can watch it on Hulu. So I would say even before you watch Future Man Season 2, watch The The Gifted. Uh, All of it is on Hulu. The first two seasons are on Hulu. So if you get Hulu, definitely check it out. It is worth a watch if you are at all an X-Men fan. Even if you're not an X-Men fan, I would argue also if you're kind of frustrated with what they've been doing with the movies it is just for me again this is just my opinion take it for what you want watch the gifted i think it's enjoyable i think it's a really interesting side sort of out of continuity but sort of in continuity version of the x-men universe so yeah, and this actually with the, without spoiling like any particular plot points, I will say that the end of season 2 hinted that the show is going to do its own version of Days of Future Past, which is interesting to me or possibly even Age of Apocalypse, which just again, if you were frustrated with how the movies has handled it. Uh, we don't know for sure whether there's going to be a season three, just because we don't know whether the ratings were enough because it was on regular Fox and not on FX. Although we have seen with some shows like The Expanse, which, by the way, I've been watching season three. Uh, if you haven't watched The Expanse and you're at all a sci-fi fan, do yourself a favor. It is for free. All three seasons that, uh, that were on the Sci-Fi Channel are now on Amazon Prime. If you have an Amazon Prime, watch The Expanse. I cannot stress that enough. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more on a future episode, especially because a little later this year, Amazon, because all the fans out there were so adamant about saving The Expanse, Season 4 is now going to be on Amazon later this year. So super excited about that. So similar to The Gifted, if you enjoy The Gifted, I have always... I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but similar with, with this podcast, if you are a fan, support the things that you are a fan of. So The Gifted, from all intents and purposes, we don't know whether it's going to get a season three. If you like The Gifted, make your voice heard. It's definitely been a thing where like, if, if we all rally together and we're big enough fans of these shows, of these media, of these different stories then support them because I think it's I personally think and like I said The Gifted is not perfect Yeah, I wouldn't even say that it's a great show but as a fan of the X-Men you know since I was a teenager I think it's one of the better adaptations is it the best thing I've ever seen no that was clearly Legion but uh there's enough good there there's enough where they kind of deal with all of the different things. I mean, people talk about the X-Men as like, it's a tired metaphor for racism. And it's like, it is, but they do a lot of really good 
things on the gifted, a lot of interesting narrative choices, a lot of ways of addressing prejudice, addressing they've even addressed on the show the the contrast between like being a mutant and is like what if you are a person of color and also a mutant? It's like a, a you know, before you even found out you were a mutant, that became a thing. It's also I don't know the guy who plays I think he's actually American Indian, but also like to, granted the the four quote unquote main characters are all white, but it is a very diverse cast. There there is depth to the characters. The characters definitely feel three dimensional. Also, if you are at all a fan of the Buffy verse and you like Amy Acker, oh god, watch the Gifted. A lot of people have taken to God damn. There's a car alarm now. You're probably going to hear it in the background. I apologize for this. I'm recording this in the in the god damn it and it won't shut up it won't shut off people if you own cars in new york city just why why even bother with your car alarm honestly and it's still going i'm not going to pause this god damn it i'm going to commit to still talking i will talk even louder into the mic so that it drowns out this stupid fucking car alarm that has still still has not shut off anyway so the Gifted, if you're at all a fan of Amy Acker, uh, a lot of the fans have taken the call in The Gifted, The Acker Hour, which I feel is, every time she's on screen, they get they gave her even more to do this season, even more cool moments for someone who isn't a mutant, who is one of the human characters, is great. They gave Jamie Chung, who plays Blink, even more to do, and that's great to see. The guy who plays Thunderbird slash, you know, Jump Proudstar, he he gets some really good stuff to do. No offense to him. He's one of the weaker actors on the show, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, you get some really cool action sequences with him. You get, like, this, uh, the quote-unquote villainous character. You have... Uh, not Barrymore. Oh, my God. Chris Sarandon, who plays like a kind of Fox News guy. There's a lot of stuff on the show that is like very parallel. They have a group called the Purifiers, who are essentially like human neo Nazis in a lot of ways. And it's interesting to have the guy who's leading them. He has a lot of conflict. He has more conflict and makes some interesting, both bad and good decisions in this season that I think is really interesting to watch. Also, the fact that that you have basically the leader of a quote-unquote hate group who is a person of color, and he's some. There is definitely some moments in the show. There is a moment with a kid who is a person who is a person of color, who kind of confronts him about that, being like, "Why are you doing this when you're basically you guys are the clan, and you should know better?" Like it's it's the again I. For all its faults, and it has faults, there's definitely cheesy moments, there's definitely dramatic moments that do not work. There's enough good in the show that makes it worthwhile. So, support The Gifted. I really hope they do Days of Future Past in Season 3. It would be really great to see. So, that's The Gifted, which recently, the and it is all available on Hulu. Which brings us to a movie where the things that work over outweigh the things that don't and that is Alita uh, Battle Angel Alita Battle Angel adaptation of a manga 
again, there are some things that happen, like you have a character who is essentially whitewashed, but he's played by uh, Christoph Waltz, so you kind of, it's, for me personally, I know that there are people who feel differently about this. Number one, there's nothing in Alito Battle Angel, the manga necessarily, aside from Dr. Ido, who they did kind of whitewash, that is explicitly Asian, and I think you guys know that I have a pet peeve about just because just because it is anime or manga adaptation, if the storyline isn't expressly Japanese, I think you can cast whoever you want in that. And my you know, my other side of that is you can cast whoever you want. I won't be upset necessarily if you don't cast Asian American actors. That being said, for the sake of visibility and the fact that uh, Asian Americans still don't get enough exposure, aren't getting enough exposure. Although you, there's definitely been a shift in that. If you can have Asian Americans behind the the camera, especially behind the camera, that's always been my big thing. Is just like I think people physic uh, focused way too much on the visual representation, which I I get because that is what you are seeing. So that represent literal visual representation counts. So if you're adapting an anime, like the more people you can put behind the camera or in front of the camera that are of Asian descent, uh, descent, I'm always in support of that. That should, you should be doing that. But my, one of my, like I said, one of my pet peeves of when you're adapting an anime or a manga is just because the source material is from Japan doesn't necessarily mean that everything about it has to be Japanese unless the story is explicitly Japanese. I know there are people who disagree with me on that. On that. I am fine with that. If you disagree with me on that, hit me. Hit us up on Twitter, at NerdPurgo on Twitter. I love discussing that because one of the things that I've always said is, and also just because of the way all of like you know social justice especially what's been happening around Captain Marvel right now that I just I get exhausted on both sides of the argument where I'm just like can everyone just calm down I if you disagree great if you want to discuss it great at a certain point though I am now old enough and I just don't have the mental energy where at a certain point uh you we can get heated but at a certain point I've now defaulted to I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree can we stop talking now can everyone chill the fuck out like it's definitely my opinion on a lot of these things so if you are super upset by Alita Battle Angel and the fact that there weren't enough Asian-Americans or that you think it should have been all Asian-Americans, I think that's a little misguided, but fine. So what I was going to say about Christoph Waltz being cast as a character is I kind of have the same opinion that I had about uh, Tilda Swinton playing the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. It's like, look, I'm upset about it. But if you're gonna do that, at least you got someone fantastic to play the character. So it's like, okay, I'm not happy that you whitewashed Dr. Ito, but you got Christoph Waltz to play him, so I can't be that upset. And anytime you put Mahershala, Mahershala, 
Mahershala, any anytime you put him in a movie, movie, I am happy. I will say the action sequences in Alita Battle Angel are fantastic. The actual, like, Rosa Salazar, like, the way that's adapted, the way that's done, like, effects-wise, that is extraordinary. I'm also super excited that they, they hired uh, a professional rollerblader to uh, do her motion capture. Uh, there's also a scene where they're playing a street version of, like, the little motorball thing, which is the big, like, game in the in the movie. The street version had a bunch of rollerbladers that I recognized. Uh, shouts to Dave Lang and Frankie Morales and and Julian Ba and Chris Haffey. And, oh, God, I am so sorry. I am... I am drawing a blank on the freaking person who is Katie Ketchum. Is that her name? Oh God, I hope that's her name. Who was the one who did all the motion capture for Alita, for Alita. So that's amazing to me as a person who's an aggressive inliner, just aggressive inliners on the big screen in a big movie, collecting paychecks. Woo. Yay us. I wasn't, I hadn't been this excited to see rollerbladers on screen since Scott Pilgrim versus the world when Roxy had the prototype Volos on her feet. Only the world people who are rollerbladers who are listening to this are gonna that's gonna make any fucking sense to them. And I think I'm the only one who Yeah, I, I think if you're nerds and you're listening to this, you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? It's a whole side story. We have had rollerblading guests on the show before. There's gonna be more of them in the future, to be honest. So because I have always been of the opinion that a wrestling line is like the nerds of the action sports. So there's you're going to hear more from them. By the way, uh, shouts out if you want to listen to a really good rollerblading podcast. Uh, I will probably tag them on Twitter about this about this episode. Uh, the uh, Jump Street podcast, which is Austin Paz and Billy O'Neill. So shouts out to them. They are out of Staten Island. Uh, of the rollerblading podcast, honestly, like there are some good ones out there. They've only been doing it this past year, and they do it live video. Like legit guys, they I think they're doing one of the best rollerblading podcasts out right now, and they've only been doing it a year. And there are people who've been doing it longer that are really good. Uh, I listened to one that's from Australia called Mad Beef, and that one's great too because it's a completely different perspective on rollerblading. But so shouts to the Jump Street guys. Weird little side ta- tangent about that. But Alita Battle Angel, we're probably going to discuss it a little bit more because by the time we record the anime episode, probably Angela and them will have seen it. The stuff that doesn't work in the film, the romantic side plot doesn't work at all. The guy who plays Hugo, who I also think his character was whitewashed. Uh, guys who are the people who are fans of the the manga can definitely correct me on that. Feel free to correct me on that. But yeah, uh, he's not so great. The some of the the bounty char- character. Uh, it's good to see that after turning down Hellboy, which by the way we are going to discuss the Hellboy, the new Hellboy preview. If you haven't watched it, it's pretty cool. I th- I don't think that movie is going to be hugely successful. I think it's going to be really fun to watch and have a secondary life on video. I honestly don't think it's going to do that great in the theaters. But you have a you have Daniel Day Kim in there. God bless him. Ed Screen, uh, who turned down the role that Daniel Day Kim is now playing in the Hellboy movie. 
He is, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong, but uh, he plays one of the bounty hunters in Lita Battle Angel. He's fun. Like, there's enough. It Also, the show, the movie is only two hours long. It does not feel overly long. It feels really tight. There's definitely, a, it really feels, the cheesy elements feel like James Cameron. The, the elements that are uh, sort of over the top and the action sequences definitely feel like Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, a lot of Little Battle Angel. If you like Robert Rodriguez's films, the the feel of the film feels like a combination of like his, you know, Desperado. Desperado the oh my god, I'm the the El Marachi films feels kind of like that. In uh, those emotion mixed in with some of the what he's gotten really good in, at in the Spy Kids movies and some of the Spy Kids spinoffs. So it's, I, I, you, however you might feel about Robert Rodriguez, I think Alita Battle Angel is definitely him working with a huge budget, which definitely helps. But also, I, I, I honestly think it's Robert Rodriguez working at the top of what he does. Like he's, he got this huge budget. James Cameron obviously had something to do with that huge budget. And the things that don't really work, I think I'm I'm going to personally blame James Cameron, be, Cameron because the stuff that doesn't work definitely feels like the stuff that doesn't work in a lot of James Cameron's movies. Uh, narrative choices. There's a lot of disjointed narrative in Alita Battle Angel because I think there were just there's so much that they were trying to pull off and trying to do. There's a setup for an obvious sequel, an obvious setup for a sequel at the end of the movie. And uh, surprise, uh, 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 surprise, here's Edward Norton. There's a lot of, uh, as a lot of people have pointed out, there's a lot of really high-level actors who are playing really bit roles who are going to have, if there is a sequel, it clearly looks like there's going to be a sequel. They were clearly trying to set up for a sequel. So there's these major stars who are playing these minor roles that we would love to see more of. But I feel like because they were going to do that, there was a lot of narrative and stuff that they had to get stuff into this film, even though it doesn't feel overstuffed with the narrative. The narrative definitely feels disjointed because of that. That being said, again, the the fun parts, the, the incredible action sequences, the, the fact that, like, Alita, as, you know, that the effects of, like, her face and all of that... All of that actually really works and to a certain extent is actually emotionally affecting that the stuff that doesn't work and because the film doesn't feel like there are sections that they, except for the romance don't really and the world the world feels very fleshed out and very much like like the actual created like the visuals of the world feels very like the details are there. So there's enough for you to like in this film that this, the disjointed narrative, it, the pace of the film is quick enough that you, the disjointed narrative doesn't feel distracting, at least in my opinion. So yeah, maybe we'll discussing, be discussing with Angelo. Hey, Angelo uh, and Casey, when you guys see Alita Battle Angel, it's definitely worth seeing. I saw it in IMAX. It is actually pretty impressive in IMAX 3D. I wasn't going to splurge for that, and I did because other people were, got discounted IMAX tickets, and I wanted to see it, so I paid the full price and went to see it. I will say the film is pretty spectacular that way, although the the price tag for IMAX 3D, a little bit too much. 
So yeah, if you haven't seen a little Alita Battle Angel yet, it is worth seeing on a big screen. It's worth seeing in general. If you are mildly an anime fan, if you're a huge otaku, depending on where you fall on that spectrum, like I was discussing earlier about like casting and all that, and how you feel about adaptations, this is... It's not saying a lot, but I will say this is the best live-action adaptation of a manga that I have seen, not counting Baby Card Assassin, which it's the best modern adaptation, and that includes all the Japanese adaptations of anime and manga, which have all been relatively terrible. And if not terrible, then just okay. So, if you want to see the best adaptation of a manga, then definitely I would say watch Baby Card Assassin because that's an adaptation of Lone Wolf and Cub, and those are great. They're a little bit hard to track down. You would probably have to purchase them, but there we're seeing, it's, you know, it's a classic samurai. They're just like classic samurai films, so that's part of it. But I will say Alita Battle Angel in the modern context is the best adaptation of a manga slash anime that we've had so far, although I do know because of the quality of the ones that we have had, that's not saying a lot, but it's worth seeing. That is it for this episode, unless for some reason I all of a sudden think of another thing that I want to talk about. There probably is going to be something else that I missed, but we will cover that in the next episode, which is coming out probably as part of, we'll have some short takes as a part of our Captain Marvel episode which will be in a couple of weeks and we're gonna squeeze in another anime manga episode probably some games in there because there's a lot of anime and manga a lot of anime that we have not discussed on this podcast a lot of it has come out so that's it for this episode as always i will repeat it a billion times until you're tired of hearing me follow us on twitter at nerdpoco Send your comments, send your love, follow us on Wednesday nights when we live tweet uh, The Magicians and Deadly Class. There's going to be a couple other live tweets that are going to be happening soon. Be good to yourself. Stay nerdy, y'all.